Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us, and we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day, and I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events, and uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Have the end time to have end time revival. Praise God. Amen. Uh, let's read what Paul writes in his second letter to the church of Corinth, chapter 4, beginning at verse number 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Look at somebody and say, We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That word earthen there, it simply means weakened. We have this treasure in fragile or weakened vessels. Amen. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So Paul said he put this treasure in a fragile vessel. That the power of God may reside in us. Not because of us, but because of God. Amen. Look at verse 8. Amen. We don't need no steel guitar and George Jane. George Jones twang when we read this, all right? Amen. This isn't a blues riff, all right? We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. How many is perplexed? Man, you look at the headlines and I'm like, but we're not in distress. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. For we which live are always delivered unto the death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Now that makes sense when you read verse 10. So you go back up one verse and it really makes that verse sing. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest. Where? In our body. So where is the treasure? God chose to put his power where? Now let's drop down to verse 15. For all things are for your sake, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not. That means we don't give up. But through our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Oh, I love verse 17. For our light affliction which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal let me read verse 17 one more time. For our light affliction. Everybody say our light affliction. 
and, and I can hear it right now. People are going, but you don't know my affliction. Tell that to Paul. Shipwrecked, beaten, cast aside, forsaken, naked, hungry, in peril. And here's what he said. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, <laughs> worketh for us. Look at somebody and tell them, your affliction's working for you. Come on, tell them that junk you're in right now is working for you. <laughs> Worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Amen. I'm telling somebody your affliction's working for you. Your trial that you think is against you is actually working for you. And the thing you think is your hindrance is actually going to be your help. going to be your help for all things work together for the good to them who are the called are you called I want to preach on this thought this morning amen and and give me a few minutes to to kind of lay a foundation please don't don't check out on me and and think this is going to be a doom and glare uh, 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 agony and despair and woe and misery we're not going to huddle up and snot on each other's shoulders and wipe each other's tears away and caress each other on the face and say oh it's so pitiful and it's so bad that's not what we're going to do we're going to get a perspective from the word of god and i want to preach to you on this thought perspective of the persuaded perspectives of the persuaded and if you'd pray with me right now jesus we thank you for your word we thank you, Lord, for your glory and your presence that is in the house right now. Lord, I thank you for everyone that has come to learn of your word and who has come to be a part of this service. Lord, I pray right now that you would move once again in our midst. I pray that you would touch me to speak as the oracle of heaven. And I pray that you would open our understanding. God, we don't want to leave here the same way that we've come, but we want to leave here changed under the power of your spirit. And I'm praying, Lord, that miracles would abound in this place today. Miracles of healing, miracles of deliverance, oh God. But more importantly, miracles of salvation, Lord. Let somebody come to you in the knowledge of truth today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. Would you just go ahead and clap your hands to the Lord one more time? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Look at your neighbor and say, Perspectives of the Persuaded. Amen. I, I need you to bear with me for a few moments this morning, as I said uh, just a moment ago, uh, because when we talk about these things, in, sense, in a sense of what might could be seen as making light of an affliction or making uh, trivial of a trial, then all of a sudden our defenses go up because, you know, you don't know what I'm going through, Pastor. You don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know what I'm going through. But it's not to minimize it as if, it's not real, but it's to maximize the realness of God's provision 
and God's plan for our life. Amen. And I may not know, sympathetic, sympathetically so, may not know exactly what you're going through, but we could also turn the table and say, you don't know what I'm going through, and you don't know what the person beside you is going through. Amen. But the Bible says that there are perspectives uh, for people of God that are persuaded of God. Let, let me first of all go ahead and dispel here this morning the postmodern Christian philosophy of, of what a, a life that is victorious in God is. Amen. The delusion of it is that the life of a believer is one of only victory and no trial. Only victory and no trial. Only healing and no sickness. It's, it's quite chaotic if you think about it. We, we want the miracles of God, but we, we don't want the sickness that would have to bring that miracle forth. We, we would rather shout about what God did rather than live in what God is able to do. Don't, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good this morning, all right? This is the we got to just settle down on this for a moment because we want to know, we want to live in the overflow of God's blessing, but we don't want to experience, amen, any lack in any area of our life. We just want the abundance above abundance. We want the more above the more. But, but God doesn't work that way. The only way for God to be revealed to us in a relatable way is for God to allow things to happen to us that could reveal him in a more powerful perspective. I, I, I understand. I'm, I, I know what year I'm in right now. I'm, I'm not deceived. I, I know what year I'm in. And, and I know that this is quite antithetical and opposite uh, against what most uh, Places are teaching that if you are living for God, your trials will only be minimal. Your suffering will only be minimal. You'll only walk for a very few things. If you'll just have a positive mental attitude, um, things are not going to happen to you that will, that will cause you uh, uh, any kind of misery at all because God only wants you to be happy. And because God wants you to be happy, surely God doesn't want any bad things to happen to you. The Bible said we know that for every temptation, that what? God has already provided a way of escape. That tells me that whatever temptation I'm about to go through, God went before me through that trial, through that temptation. He already made a way that I can be successful, that I can overcome, but I'm still going to go through it. The only difference between me and the unsaved or the unrighteous is I have a way of escape and they don't. Amen. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Amen. The, the difference is I, we have a hope, but those who are dead in their sins do not have a hope. And that is part of the glory of the gospel is when you are saved, he has made a way of escape. And no matter what situation that you are in, amen, do people that are saved get cancer? Absolutely. Does God heal them? 
Absolutely. Do they die of cancer? Absolutely. Well, then shouldn't I take my chances and live the way that I want to live without Christ and have my personal liberties of my flesh? Because after all, it's going to balance out about the same way. That, that whether I'm saved or not saved, the chances that I get a, a terminal illness uh, and die from it, it it's, it's about equal. Let me, let me just, I hate to pop your little bubble here, but we are all terminal. We're all terminal. We're all going to die at some point if the Lord doesn't rapture us out of here. I, I don't mean to make you so happy about that. Amen. But, but some, somebody once said, hey, what if oxygen is poison? It just takes 80 years to kill us. All right. So we're, we're all terminal. We don't want to think about that because it doesn't cause us joy. It, it doesn't make us want to celebrate the, thing, the fact that if the Lord does not take his church out of here in the resurrection, in the rapture, that at some point every one of us are going to lay in a box and people are going to walk by us, amen, and people are going to gather around our grave and they're going to weep and they're going to mourn. We don't want to think about that because that brings us great sorrow, which is the total opposite of the early church. The early church did not love their lives. That does not mean they were suicidal either, but they had a revelation. That no matter what I go through, God has already made a way for me to escape. So whether it's cancer or an aneurysm or a car wreck or some other freak accident that could happen to take my life. The difference between us and the unbelievers, the difference between the saved and the unsaved, the righteous and the unrighteous, the difference between those that, because you can only be one of two things, I said this last night, you can either be dead in your sins or you can be dead to your sins. And so the difference from those that are dead in their sins and dead to their sins, the difference between those who are in darkness and those who are in light, those who are walking in the death of sin, those who are living in the life of Christ. The difference is we are all going to go through the way of the grave, but those who are saved have a way of escape because the grave is not the final chapter for us. The grave is not where it ends for us. As a matter of fact, it's an escape. It means that I really began my living on the other side of the grave. I really began my life, if you would, after the grave. This is temporal. Paul said what you see is temporal, but what you don't see is eternal. And when you understand that, then you realize that what we go through is but a light affliction. We have in our, our postmodern way of thinking, we, we have become indignant at God when trials go up, come our way. We become angry with God. Why did this happen to me? I thought you were on my side. Why did the water heater go out if you're on my side? Why did I lose my job if you were on my side? Why is my spouse wanting a divorce? Not mine. Why is my spouse wanting a divorce? And I'm telling you the truth. This happens. Why is my spouse wanting a divorce if you're on my side? 
Why, why does my family treat me this way if you're on my side? Why do I have anxiety if you are on my side? Which is a good question. Why do you have anxiety? Anxiety is the surface result of not trusting in God completely. Amen. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. Amen. And, and listen, this isn't a swipe at people that deal with it because people legitimately deal with it. But we have to learn to put our confidence in the Lord. I know it's Sunday morning. I hope I'm not boring you too much. I, I want to get back to I want to get back to what the word prescribes for us. We, we get angry with God. Because because. Our trusting him didn't turn out the way we wanted it to turn out. And, and, and we are angry that, that who is God that I should go through this when I have been faithful to him. Amen. We, we become ignorant to God's eternal intelligence. And we become dumb to God's divine design for our life. And we are like the kindergartner trying to tell the engineer how to build the skyscraper. Amen. I, I, I knew, I even wrote in my notes, this will not make them shout. Actually, I didn't, but I should have. I knew it. Because we, we think that every, we have brought, listen what we have done. We have taken our toddler mentality and we've delayed it to our Christian adolescence. Give me my fruity pebbles now. That's my toy. I don't want to go to sleep. I don't like it, so I don't want to eat it. It ain't fun, so I don't want to do it. And we have molded that into our Christianity and said that surely God wants me to eat those fruity pebbles all the time. Surely God wants me to have my neighbor's toy. Surely God doesn't want me to take a nap. Surely, I think you do, Lord. Amen. Surely, surely God... Surely God wants me to be able to stay up all night and watch Sunday morning or Saturday morning cartoons. That's back when they were funny. Amen. Surely, surely God wants nothing from me but only happiness and bliss. And we don't understand that God's greatest design for our life is not for our happiness, but for his glory to be made manifest in us and through us. Not only for us, but for him and for the unbelievers. God's greatest design for my life 
is not a 4,000 square foot home. God's greatest design for my life is not a Mercedes Benz or a fat 401k or a big motor home to retire and travel the country in. But God's greatest design for my life is that whatever it takes for him to squeeze his glory out of me, then I realize that no matter what I go through, I have the perspective that God is going to get the glory. Our perspectives are skewed by this present age of Christianity. Our perspectives have been tainted and jaded and marred by the postmodern philosophy of humanism and Christianity that God only wants me to have the best and smile all the time and never go through any opposition. But you've got to understand God's design for your life is greater than that of a talk idea of paradise but God's design for your life is that somehow some way he might find an avenue to find that he could show glory in you and glory through you and that's why we understand that it is but a light affliction hmm let, let, let's see what the early church had to say about these perspectives. But let, what, what, did, uh, what did First Peter, what did he have to say about this? Brother Garza, if you'll read the scripture I gave you in First Peter. We're going to do it old-fashioned today. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Hold on a second. Think it not strange that the blessings of God overwhelm you on every side. No. Think it not strange that the boss just promotes you every time you walk in the door. Think it not strange that your bank account gets fatter and fatter. Think it no. not strange that you can eat all the ice cream you want and not gain an ounce. Think it not strange that the wrinkle lines disappear. Think it not strange when everybody just loves you. No, he said, think it not strange. Concerning the fiery trial. The fiery, he didn't just say trial. He said, the, in other words, hey, there's a difference between a trial and a fiery trial. There's a difference between a problem and a show enough problem. There's a difference between going through some stuff and going through some junk. And Paul said, let me just lay it down like this. Quit freaking out every time a fiery trial is to try you. As, as though some strange thing has happened to you. Peter said, quit acting like trials aren't supposed to happen. I, I know, I know, we, we're not going to run the aisles on this. I know, but I'm talking about perspectives of the persuaded. Don't, don't think it's strange because you go through an issue. Matter of fact, think it's strange if you don't have issues. He said, concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing. You know what, you know what he was saying? That opposition is going to be familiar to the children of God. Resistance is going to be a companion of the child of God. 
dare I say even suffering, will be an acquaintance to the child. I know we're not going to run the aisles over that. I'm trying to preach through your Joel Osteen philosophy of Jesus. That's about as real as Dr. Seuss's characters. Go, go to verse 13. But rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Hold on. Are you sure you're reading out? Yeah, that's what it says. But that's not what they're telling us. But rejoice when Brother Marcel hits that drum real fast and they start doing the doodly 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 shout walk. And Brother Gar's over there walking the dog. Boom, 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 boom. But rejoice and rejoice so much that you can't help but get the Holy Ghost chicken wing and just go in circles. I think, I think, I think God in, in heaven is bewildered that we only rejoice at the blessing. Man, man, this is depressing. It is if your perspective's off. What, what did Peter say? But rejoice what in as much as you are partakers. See, we want the power of his resurrection. But we don't want the fellowship of his suffering. Paul said, oh, that I might know him. And the power of his resurrection. And what? The fellowship of his suffering. See, we only want to know him in the power of the resurrection. We want to know him in the power of healing. But we don't want to be the one to get sick. I was preaching revival some years ago, and I said, how many here want to see blind eyes open? Man, everybody just started jumping up. How many want to see cancer healed? Oh, man, we're, they're shouting. How many want to see the dead raised? And I'm telling you, they started just coming unglued at that point. And I said, all right, who's ready to die? And I'm telling you, it sucked the wind out of that place. Who wants to go blind? No, I just want to shout about it. No, I just want to tell my grandkids, I saw it. I, I just want to be able to tell the people at work, nah, 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 it's real. I watched it happen. But when it happens to us, it flips from worship to worry. Why me? When what we don't understand is that Christ is inviting us into the most divine and beautiful fellowship that he can offer is to say, become a partaker with me. Be a partaker with me. What am I going to partake of? The kingdom? He's, oh yeah, you'll, you'll get to that. You'll rule and reign with me in the millennial. Oh yeah, you'll take care. We'll do that. But right now, I want you to partake with me in some suffering. Read on, Brother Garza. I got some about ready to run out the building. Amen. Keep, keep reading. And as much as you're partakers of uh -huh. Christ's sufferings, yeah. that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. You may be glad also in what? Exceeding joy. Exceeding. Wait, wait, read, read that again, because I think we lost the context of that. 
that read that again. But rejoice. His, start at the top. But rejoice uh -huh. in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. Paul's right there. Anybody got some suffering in your life? By the show of hand, how many got something in your life you think you just need Jesus to fix it? Just raise your hand. Those of you that raise your hand, see me after church. I need to know what's going, what you're doing. Amen. Yes. So if you got some suffering, not your time to sob. Not time to woe is me and tremble and shake. And, but rejoice in as much you are partakers of Christ's suffering. That when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with what? But we don't get glory until we learn to rejoice first. All right? Next verse. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ. Oh, dear Lord, please tell me that's not in the Bible. Happy are ye. Huh? Happy are ye. Now, what kind of crackpot version of the Bible are you reading? <laughs> what? If you be reproached for the name of Christ, what? Happy are ye. Boy, that don't sound like anything we hear. Yeah. Happy are ye. Go ahead. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. See, you want the glory, but, but don't want the reproach. See, one of these days, we're going to get this, and this is the part we run the aisles in. Not when the unexpected check comes in the mail. We'll shout over that, too. But over that part. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. Why? On their part, he is uh, evil spoken of. But on your part, he is glorified. What did my text, what did our text say? For a light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Surely, um, Peter's got some issues. Let's see if the Bible will, will line up with this. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. We're going we're gonna to go, stick with the Bible, all right? I, I don't got any cute stories off the website to tell you. Let's just stick with the Bible. But, but surely, surely Paul to the Roman church is about to contradict what Peter and his whacked out theology is that we should just rejoice when bad things happen. But, but surely, he's not going to say that in Romans. Go ahead. Therefore, being justified by faith, uh -huh. we have peace with God mm -hmm. through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. By whom also ye have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Uh-huh. And not no, only first, so. First, we're going to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we're not going to wait for the glory of God to rejoice. We're going to rejoice waiting on the glory of God. In other words, there's three times to rejoice. Rejoice in the waiting of the glory, rejoice in the glory, and rejoice when the glory is about to come back around and do it again. In other words, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, go ahead. And not only so, uh -huh. but we glory in tribulations wait, also. Wait, wait. It, it's almost like 
God is telling these men the same thing. Mm -hmm. So Peter said rejoice in persecution and tribulation. And Paul says what? But we, the word glory means to celebrate. In that context, in Greek, it means to celebrate. We celebrate in tribulation. Go ahead. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Here's why we rejoice, because we're not dumb. We know that our, we know that our tribulation is going to do something for us. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not in the fight for no purpose. Come on, look at somebody else and say, I'm not going through this without a purpose. Tell them God's working something in me. God's working something in you. And if you only understood what he was working in you, you'd be shouting about it too. Go ahead. Knowing that. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Quit praying for patience. That's the dumbest prayer you'll ever pray. I heard somebody pray. Lord, give me patience. Give them to me now. Don't pray for patience. Because when you pray for patience, God says, okay, here's some tribulation. Why is everything happening to me? Because you're just praying for patience. And patient, tribulation work. There's only one way to get patience. Tribulation. Why am I in it all the time? Maybe because you're not patient. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be so biblically correct this morning. Go ahead. And patience, experience, and experience, hope. Hope. Go ahead. And hope maketh not ashamed. Hey, what? Hope maketh not ashamed. Do you see how the domino, it started with tribulation? And then it hits hope. And then he says, and hope maketh not ashamed. Why did he use the word maketh not ashamed? Why did he say it doesn't make? Because you want to know why? Because all of us have this stuff called flesh. And ingrained in this flesh is this stuff called pride. And we think that if people know we're going through something, we will be ashamed because we think they'll think that I don't think that God thinks that I can make it. Did y'all catch that? I thunk it, he thunk, thunk, thought it. We're ashamed when we go through things because we think that you think that I don't think that God thinks he's able. And then so I'm ashamed because I don't want you to think that I've done something to make God mad, so that's why I'm going through it. Hence, and that must mean I'm anointed, I'm using the word hence. Hence, our pride says, now there is something to shouting no matter what you're going through, dance, rejoice, and all that. And we don't praise God according to how we feel, but how good he is. But we will rejoice, not in our tribulation, we'll rejoice that you don't find out about my tribulation. Did that make sense? We don't rejoice in the tribulation. We're rejoicing so that I can disguise my tribulation. And you can't figure out what I'm, that I have tribulation. And we have set this false atmosphere in the church that we're shouting because everything's good. And not because all hell's breaking loose and he's good anyway. I don't want you to know. That I'm having struggles on my job. I don't, I'm going to shout because I dance and run the aisles and all of that stuff. Because I don't want you to find out 
that I'm as human as you are. That I have faults. That I have messed up. That there is tribulation. Rather than rejoicing because God invited me to partake of his suffering, I'm rejoicing so that I can disguise the fact I am suffering. Read that part again, that last line. And hope maketh not ashamed. But hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Because the love of God is projected like a spotlight through our heart. In other words, God's glory is so revealed in me, in my persecution, in my trial, in my sickness, in my tribulation, in my pain, in my fear, in my doubt, in my distress, in my perplexities, in my imperfections, in my failures. The love of God is shine out of me like a spotlight that even though you know that I'm going through something, God's love is so and glory is so bright shining through me that you don't even have the ability to fix it on my failure or stare at my mistake or belittle my trial all you can see is my God look at the glory look at the glory in them look at the love in them look at the hope in them because hope maketh not a shame so I'm going to praise him this morning with the backache and I'm not going to hide the backache I'm going to praise him this morning with fear in my heart I'm not going to hide my fear but I'm going to rejoice in it because hope maketh not a shame. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. How? By the Holy Ghost. By the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Which is given unto us. Hallelujah. I'm going to dig this morning. I feel like Papa. I'm hooked up to this old mule. We're going to plow deep in the field today. We shout for all the wrong reasons. I said we shout for all the wrong reasons. We dance for all the wrong reasons. I'm going to say all the wrong reasons. That's too broad of a statement. For a majority of the wrong reasons. If we shouted, if we danced, if we rejoiced based on our trouble and our trial, rather than on the fact we want everybody to believe everything's just going good, we don't want people to know we're broken. Huh? Right? We, 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 don't, want, we don't want people to know we're broken. My God, if you knew I was broken, you wouldn't want to sit here and hear a preacher that's got brokenness in his life. No, go, go, find, that, go find that preacher that, that's got the private jet and the 30,000 square foot mansion and just tell you everything's going to be all right. We, we don't want, we don't, oh Lord, no, we don't want to rejoice when we're broken. We want to go down the honky-tonk and hear all the, all the poor, pitiful me, country music. My wife left, the dog left with my truck. And... Well, that's not what David said. I didn't give you the scripture, but I'll give it to you. It's not what David said in Psalms 51. Psalms 51, David said this in Psalms 51 and 8. Let me put my eyeballs back on. I want to read it right. 
Psalms 51 and 8, make me to hear joy and gladness. Make me to hear joy and gladness. That the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Some of you got some broken bones that need to start rejoicing. Some of you got some unanswered prayers that need to start rejoicing over. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.